Welcome to Soaring the Sky, Glider Pilots Podcast. Hello, my name is Chuck. I'll be your host. This is episode 13. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for all your positive feedback. We do appreciate that. And in some of that feedback, some of you have been asking to hear from a gentleman out of Utah who flies an ASW 27B 15-meter racing glider. He has taken his time to join us today. Please welcome Bruno Vassell. Bruno, thank you for being here today. Excited to do this. So going back a little bit, when did your aviation adventure begin? So all the way back when I was two years old, um, I kept jumping off of things trying to fly. And I ended up getting stitches in my chin and then stitches in my eyebrow. And then my parents eventually had to put, uh, you know, uh, protectors over the stairs or I'd keep trying to jump off of them. And one of my earliest memories, I remember I was probably four or five years old. um, My mom would make me take a bath every single night. And I remember scrubbing myself with uh, with soap, not washing it off, going to bed with soap all over, hoping I'd grow feathers. And the next morning, I remember being all crusty. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that's that and so i grew up you know fascinated with flying when i was uh something like 19 or 20 i was driving a, a motorcycle with a girl on back out in the utah desert and i saw some skydivers and i'd you know gone skydiving a couple of times i thought oh that, let's go check it out so uh, go up to this airport in the middle of nowhere in the desert and get off the motorcycle and some young guy comes up and says hey you, you want to go for a glider ride and uh, i'd actually checked into it and i thought oh that's going to be too expensive for me and this girl and he said hey, tell you what um buy one get one free so um he took her up for a quick ride and then i went up for a ride and that was on saturday i started my lessons on monday and i soloed friday so wow. um, it was a whirlwind. Now, all uh, you know, all disclosure, it was a 233. So you know, it's not that hard to actually learn how to fly those. But I just got passionate about it, and within a couple of months, I had my rating. Um, and you know, from ever ever since, I I've just been passionate about it. Got my power license a couple years later, and today I have a couple of gliders and uh, and an airplane. So enjoy both. What are you flying as far as your glider right now? So my first glider I ever purchased was a 1967 Phoebus, uh, you know, balsa core, uh, really cool glider, and <clears throat> sold it to a good friend, and I just barely purchased it back. So I've got that, and then uh, my main glider that I fly is an ASW-27B, so 15-meter racing glider. Just love it. And you have done some racing then? Yeah, yeah. So um, I keep putting on these events, and so keeps me from going to as many races as I'd like to. But uh, uh, I've flown in a couple of nationals and uh, some regionals, and they're really fun. I, I was actually really negative on events when I just got into gliding. I thought, oh, that's the rich guys with the big gliders, and they're all going to be jerks and snobs. And then I flew uh, down to Parowan, and got a backseat ride with Carl Streetick in a duo discus. And that was my first ever experience with a contest. And I saw how cool and chill everybody was and how much fun it was. And that really broke the ice. And, and so I've you know, done a number of contests since. It's a lot of fun. 
So what got you into contest? I know you started soaring. I mean, what kind of brought your interest to where you started doing the contest? Well, a lot of it was just the people and how cool it was. Um, you know, the, the stress, I, I thought it was going to be really highly stressful. And in, instead, it was really laid back. And, um, you know, worst case scenario is if you accidentally drag a wing on takeoff, um, nobody's going to be, you know, criticizing you. And, and people were just really friendly and enthusiastic and helpful. So what I experienced with my first couple of contests was probably about 10 years worth of learning had I just been soaring myself versus going to the contest for a week, week and a half. And I just saw the personal growth within my soaring was so massive that uh, it just hooked me. So, and you know, now that I've done this for so many years and also put on contests that uh, have a whole bunch of friends in the all over the the country that uh, that we race and fly together and, and hang out afterwards. So, you know, a huge plug uh, for anybody who's never been to a contest. Do what I did, and there's always backseaters available. Go, you know, go try it for yourself. Uh, you don't have to jump into a nationals your very first contest. You can go to a local one and have a great time. I didn't realize that that you could actually kind of set in a contest in the cockpit. That's very cool. I mean, that's oh yeah. But I, Carl does tell you. He said, "Hey, I'm going to be flying for the next six hours. If you start puking at minute ten, it's going to be a long six hours." <laughs> so, <laughs> and, but uh, you know, luckily, didn't have any problems. What do you base your contest on? I mean, when you're planning them out, how do, how do you plan it out? Is I, I don't know a lot about the contest, so I guess kind of walk me through that. Yeah, so there are different types of contests. There's regional contests, national contests, and of course, world contests. And then um, I'm really proud of this. Um, actually developed a third kind of an event, and I'm sure that other people had done this, but um, I think we've kind of taken it to the next scale, and that's what we call an OLC cross-country camp. What, well, what that is, is is it's still a, an organized event that has everything from uh, daily briefing meetings and weather, has a retrieve office. If people land out, you know that people are looking for you. It has uh, dinners in the evenings, uh, line crew, uh, that kind of a thing. And what it does is we give racing tasks that you can do during the day. You can just go out and fly for fun. But there's no stress there because um, it's only a daily kind of a thing. It's not a cumulative score throughout the, the week. So with a contest... It's not just one day at a, you know, it, it's the days all added up and then you have a cumulative score. So if you blow a day, you're just like, oh, I'm now bottom of the score sheet kind of a thing. With this type of an event, uh, you can actually be flying the task and see this cloud street going off into never, never land and say, you know what, <laughs> uh, bag the task. I'm going to go fly 200 miles that way and back and it doesn't ruin your week and your 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 standings because the score is just a daily score kind of a thing so it it really just opens up a lot more flexibility and and even lower pressure so i think i did my first nephi event where i was the organizer in 2013 and we've now done i think eight or nine every single year we've done in a couple of years we've done multiple and um what we do now is every other year we do um, a serious event, and then the opposite year, or the next year, we then do an OLC camp. So, for example, last year, we did the Sports Class Nationals, and we also had a regional contest along with it. This year, 2019, we're doing an OLC camp, and then next year, we're doing the 18-meter Nationals, and then also a, 
a, a regional along with it. And to put into perspective of the popularity of this, and this is, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, but we we limit the the participation to 65 gliders, and we typically have a waiting list of anywhere between 35 and 50 pilots. So get over 100 registrations, and for oh, both wow. of these, no, and a, a huge part of that is because of how spectacular Nephi, Utah, is to fly. Um, before I started my events, there wasn't any glider operations there except for a single gentleman with a motor glider, and so what we you know, I, I thought, I want to fly at this place, but there's nothing going on. So I said, well, I'll create an event and bring everybody there so I can fly. So it was actually very selfish of me, but oh. uh, I, I wanted oh. to fly. And so I was like, all right, I'll bring a bunch of friends and we'll all do it together. Hey, what That's a great idea. Oh, it's been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. And I think a few other people now are doing more of these OLC, uh, you know, cross-country camps, and uh, which is great. Um, a lot of fun. What has been one of your, I guess, longest flights that you've been, you know, you've covered the most distance? Yeah. Um, and this one's, this, this one's fun because I got at least half of it on video until my uh, video camera died. Um, you know, I, I've been flying again since I was 20 or so, but uh, I have a number of memorable flights. Um, probably the one that really sticks out in my mind was when I flew from Nephi down to the Grand Canyon. And flew around over the Grand Canyon for about 45 minutes and then flew back. And I think the furthest out I saw is about 275 miles out from Nephi. And um, what was neat is I was able to, to video record that. So even on the ground, I, I say, hey, I'm, I'm going to Grand Canyon today. And somehow managed to pull it off. And on the way back, the camera died. And in fact, all my electrical died on my glider. So the last 150 miles, I flew back with a altimeter and an airspeed. I didn't have a uh, both my varios are electronic. So um, wow. that was that was exciting. But made it back, and that was a fun flight. True seat of your pants flying. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, a lot of fun. I've got, you know, some other flights, uh, flew from Logan up to the Grand Tetons. That was spectacular and, uh, flown into Colorado this year. I want to do a lot more flying down. If, if it, the weather works down to the Southwest, um, from Nephi to Tonopah back is a thousand kilometer out and back. That would be a spectacular flight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now I saw, uh, online you did the flight to the Grand Canyon, and I believe an artist painted a picture. Yeah, of you. yeah, that was that was really flattering, and um, it was a great picture. What's great is the the sailplane hides me, so you can't see how fat I am inside the cockpit. With you know, it's like, hey, I'll I'll hang that on my wall. That's great. <laughs> so it's fun. Yeah, it is absolutely beautiful picture. I was I was checking that out. It, that's very cool. Thank you. What what's cool about all this is that. Uh, you know, I've been videotaping ever since the Phoebus days, and the reality was is it's not that hard to just stick a video camera um, in the cockpit and record. And for whatever reason, um, people seem to, to like to watch them, and YouTube likes to suggest them. So, you know, I, I don't know, somewhere around eight or nine million views later and uh, a lot of new friends, you know, such as yourself. Um, it's, it's, it's been really, really fun. And really, I don't 
go flying to videotape. Really what I do is I just, I'm going flying today. I'll take up a video camera and if anything's interesting, I'll maybe post it. So yeah, lots that of flights is, that aren't interesting. So I'm not posting every one. That is pretty amazing. I was looking at, at your hits on this and yeah, you're, you're in the millions. And I even heard that you were, some of your videos were on the weather channel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they actually flew a crew out and, uh, this was my first nationals. Um, I flew into a thunderstorm and I video recorded it. And it's funny cause the quality is terrible of that video way back then. And, uh, had some lightning flash right across, you know, right in front of me and stuff. And luckily I pulled it off and, and got out of there, but, uh, they thought it was interesting enough that they flew a crew out and interviewed me and that, that was fun. Uh, see, ultimately, it's just fun to share the sport. I mean, as you know, how fun it is. Um, you know, it's it's fun to share the magic of what we experience up there in the sky. It's just, I, I think most people have no clue just how spectacular and magical it really is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is it is truly magical, and so many beautiful things we get to see from up there that other people don't get to see. Oh, yeah. You know, especially on the mediocre days, those are the days where the clouds are all funky and stuff. And I mean, you just feel like you're flying up in heaven. It's um, you know, even after all these years, because, you know, I'm not a commercial pilot, um, you know, um, so I don't do this on a day to day basis. I'm still just mystified. I, I, I still get emotional when I see just gorgeous clouds and and all the other stuff that you see. A lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Have you done anything with Condor? Yeah. So the the first Condor I messed around with in the winter times, but uh, I like to joke um, the winter, at least here in Utah, we take it off to uh, help, uh, you know, because it's so cold, but also to help repair our marriages. And uh, so, <laughs> you know, if, if you fly, you know, real life in, in the summer and then Condor in the winter, um, you know, that, uh, that, that doesn't really meet that objective. But I don't know. I probably have 50 hours on Condor, but I, I have not flown Condor in years. They they actually uh, asked me to to do some Condor uh, two flying and do some videos and stuff. And I I I've got a really cool idea of what I want to do. I want to um, put an IGC, uh, which is you know the flight GPS trace into Condor, and I want to fly against myself. Um, doing some state record flights that I've done and see if I can beat myself in Condor uh, versus flying, you know, real life. I think that'd be kind of fun, but uh, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. What are your goals for the 2019 season? I'm guessing the contests are going to keep you pretty busy, but what else do you got going on there as far as soaring? 2019, I've got some big goals. Uh, I've been really busy. Um, I'm an entrepreneur and I started a company just about three years ago. And so it's, it's kept me really busy this year. I think I can get away a little bit more. And my goal for this year, um, I've flown a whole bunch of long flights, but I've never really gone after specifically a thousand kilometer task flights. So I've now created, I don't know, six or eight thousand kilometer flights based from Nephi that I'm really excited about uh, going out and trying and flying. So if anything, at least it's going to give us all some good uh, land out footage, <laughs> so of uh, you know for video. But uh, 
I'm really excited about that. So um, doing that, uh, you know, hosting this OLC camp, I'm so excited about it. Again, so many of these people are coming back. They they keep coming back to these events. And so it's seeing my friends again. And, uh, you know, they're traveling from Chicago, from New York, from Florida, I mean, all over. So I know you're helping the SSA out with some webinars. What are you doing there? What are you talking about? That's been a lot of fun. I kind of stumbled into it. Uh, David Lesnick, he is uh, an enthusiastic newer glider pilot, uh, lives out of Vegas area. He came up with this concept and uh, he uh, presented it to me and to the SSA. And he said, hey, I I just want to help promote soaring and let's do some webinars. So... um, I didn't see really his introduction until the SSA event, uh, the, you know, the convention last year, and he did a fantastic job. He had this really great video and it shared it, and I got really excited. And then he said, "Hey, Bruno, you want to be my co-host?" And so, um, you know, we all know that you've got the, you know, the the um, late night you know, host. And then they've got to have the fat guy that sits on the couch at the end that, you know, jumps in with jokes every once in a while. I said, I can do that. You know, we've now done, I don't know, 12 or 18 of these and they've just been fantastic. They've been a lot of fun. So everything from uh, basic soaring skills to um, advanced thermaling techniques uh, to um, I had the privilege of interviewing Sebastian Kawa, which is the uh, hands down, you know, best, uh, racing glider pilot right now in the in the world he has something like over 20 uh, world titles or something like that and he was just a real delight to to interview so that was a real privilege to spend an hour and a half asking him so how do you do it <laughs> and uh, he was very open so that was that was a lot of fun and uh-huh. uh, David and I we we have a lot of additional topics so it, it's so great because this is exactly like you know what you're doing with this this podcast, you know, we're just trying to talk to different people, trying to make it interesting, and uh, hopefully people can A, learn, and B, if they're not into soaring, uh, maybe consider trying it. Absolutely. That's that's what it's all about, for sure. What advice would you give for some pilots now that want to improve their flying skills and they definitely want to be safer pilots? What would you have to say to them? Mm, good question. So, you know, if you look at my videos, people don't accuse me of being the world's safest pilot. I, tr- I try to be safe, but uh, I'd say the first thing is know know yourself and your own limitations. That's not going to necessarily keep you safe, but it's a good start. And you really don't take this sport to the next level until you get your own sailplane. So it's very difficult to um, do too much if you're just in a rental ship or a, a club glider or something. And it's a great way to start out, but ultimately, at least for me, the joy of soaring has come from cross country and, and leaving the airport and not knowing if you're going to make it back or not. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of this, I've done a couple of jump skydiving and I actually get a bigger adrenaline rush taking off and soaring than I do jumping out of an airplane. So I don't know, whatever, however my brain is wired that way. So um, once you get your own glider, and again, it could be you know shared with a couple other friends or something, that then allows you to you know break away from the airport and you know start doing cross country. And I don't know, there's different uh, types of pilots when it comes to cross country. Me personally, um, so I was learning in the 233, and after a month, they allowed me to fly a 126. 
I immediately took that 25 miles downwind and couldn't make it back and had my first off-field landing as a student pilot, you know, a month into soaring. And it was a fantastic experience. Um, and so I've now had about 13 off-field landings and actually farmer fields. And, um, you know, if you set it up and you do it right and you don't rush yourself, I mean, I've, I've never scratched a, a glider at all. So, you know, a little bit of inconvenience and stuff, but ultimately they've been fantastic experiences for me. So I think people, you know, pilots that are afraid of landing off field or out, they got to get over, they got to work over that fear because the freedom of being able to look beyond the horizon and get there. And, you know, you're hoping that you'll make it back. You know, once you get to, you know, a more proficient level of, you know, finding thermals and staying in them, the reality is, is I, I'm only landing out one out of every 20 cross-country flights. And so it's not like it's every single time. You know, I'd lose all my friends. But uh, you know, come pick me up. Come pick me up. But um, <laughs> it's, it, it's a fantastic um, experience. So anyway, I mean, my, my advice for people is to get out, get their own glider. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with just you know jumping out and going cross-country, you can do a follow-along with other pilots. You can do go in two-seaters. But... Um, the magic of cross-country flying, a lot of glider pilots, they've never experienced it. They just kind of hang out close to around the airport. And again, there's a lot of reasons why, but figure out how to take those issues and make them so they're non-issues so you can actually get out and go cross-country. So maybe maybe instead of focusing on the airport and getting back to it, would it be maybe a good advice to focus on your next landing spot where you can safely land? And then go from there and grab a thermal and keep keep going. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the 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 to start with cross country, you're not thinking about landing in uh, farmers fields. What you're doing is you're planning from airport to airport to airport. So you're not la- allowing yourself to get to the point where you have to now land in a farmers field. Um, you know, it's just oh hey, I might now land out at a different airport, and that's exciting enough at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it it's a long time before. You know, for some pilots, before they feel comfortable um, jumping into a glider, and you might land in Farmer Fred's, you know, field 200 miles away. Have you done most of your flying in Utah? I have. So, you know, I've also flown to Hatchapi, uh, flown down in Hobbs, New Mexico, uh, Moriarty. But there's a ton more places that I'd love to go. It's just because I keep doing these events, um, it kind of locks me into in the summertime being at utah but once i start getting some other people to put on these events i'm i'm looking forward to i really want to go fly back east on the ridges i grew up in new jersey till i was 12 and then moved out here to utah and i'd love to to experience that that's a whole different type of soaring that i've got no clue about Uh, you know i've flown once in uh in, in florida and that was cool so yeah lots of lots of places still yet to to soar well, we have some great ridges here on the Appalachian, and you are welcome anytime to come soar with us. We would love to have that. Oh, man, I'd, I'd love to do it. Uh, it. It's really intimidating. So, I mean, it's funny. I'm used to, if I'm like 13,000 feet, feel like I'm low. <laughs> so, you know, uh, <laughs> but I mean, out here in the Great West Desert, uh, you know, you are low at, you know, sometimes at 13,000 feet. So love to get out there and, and fly with you guys. Yeah, we, you know, we, we run down the ridge at two or 300 feet above the trees. It is a very cool experience. Yeah. 
the 126 i'm flying a lot right now because i haven't bumped up to anything else but flying the 126 doing ridge soaring is a lot of fun oh i bet it would be fun what advice will you give that person that's listening and you know maybe they've just heard about soaring and they haven't really checked it out yet what, what would you say to them there are some great videos of uh, you know, lots of different pilots both here in the u.s and uh and internationally um you know Spend a, f- a little bit of time on YouTube and uh, you know check out some of the soaring flights, but it's just like anything else. Unless you actually go out and experience it for yourself, you have no idea what it really you know is like and feels like. So I'd, I'd just recommend them to go out and try it. And if you like it, um, it, there's three types of people. There's some, uh, there's the few weird wired people like me that once you've experienced it. You know, uh, if you were to see the back of my phone, it's got a picture of my glider as I'm flying past a mountaintop. You just get so enamored and just so hooked. I mean, even though we don't really actually go that many times a year, it seems, you know, where you think about it every day, one type of person. You know, the opposite is they do it and they get maybe a little bit sick. It's not for them. And then there's the third type where they're, um, it's fun and they'll, they'll do it a little bit, but uh, maybe not quite so passionately as uh you know those of us that got hooked but uh it, all three are just fine so, so f- figure out which one you are but you can only do that if you jump uh, you know into a glider and actually experience it take that first glider ride and experience it and yeah go from there yeah what's sad is that uh you know th- there are a lot of places that you can get glider rides but like for example utah um, I get contacted all the time. Hey, you know, saw the video, really cool. Uh, where can I get a glider ride? And there are currently in Utah, there's no glider ride operation. So uh, the SSA.org has places to fly. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of glider ride places, but uh, hopefully there's one around, you know, each of your listeners. We've talked a little bit about your YouTube videos that you've, you know, that you've had on. And where could we find that? Yeah, just go to youtube.com slash BVIV. So Bravo Victor India Victor. Um, or if you just type in my name Bruno and gliding or Bruno soaring, it'll it'll pull it up. You know, you were you were mentioning the the glider videos. Uh, I'd strongly encourage pilots that if you're flying yourself, uh, just grab a GoPro. You don't have to get the most expensive, newest model. Just get. Uh, in fact, oh, you know, I'm still. I've still been flying with a GoPro Hero Four. Um, my wife just barely bought me a Seven, um, and I haven't even used it yet. But you don't have to have the latest and greatest. Just throw it. Um, you know, suction cup it to your glider somehow, and uh, just go fly and just enjoy it. And it does two things. One. Um, it's amazing what you see once you're actually watching yourself fly. It's it's a great learning tool. And number two, every once in a while, something interesting happens, and now you get to share it with the world. So, you know, I, I trust me, like, I'm not planning on going landing in a wheat field or something, but um, if I have to go land in a tall wheat field, um, hey, I'm glad my GoPro is running, so at least I can share what's about to happen with everybody else. So, um and you know, different people also have different styles. So my style, obviously, you know, I like to talk. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm just talking to the audience as I'm flying and just telling them what I think and talking through it. Uh, you don't have to do that if you don't want to talk. You can uh, throw music on and you can do, you know, do whatever style you want. But ultimately, 
um, let's put it this way. Um, if this many people are watching my videos and my videos aren't that great, um, you know, there, people are hungry for good content and good soaring content. So I'd encourage, um, people to go out and, 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 uh, make their own. Cause I've seen some amazing videos in editing and things like that. And I'm, I'm really jealous of what they can do. Well, thank you, Bruno. I greatly appreciate your time tonight. This, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate your, you know, appreciate you hanging out with us, and I know a lot of people appreciate hearing you. I've had several listeners asking maybe that we could hear you on the podcast. So thank you for this. This is this is awesome. It's been a real pleasure. Hopefully, I didn't disappoint them, <laughs> you know. But uh, no, this is just fun, just sharing what we experience. And so, thank you, thank you for uh, doing this. Keep doing the podcasts, and uh, thanks for inviting me on. You are very welcome, Bruno, and thank you all for tuning in. We look forward to bringing you another great guest next time on Soaring the Sky. As always, you can go to www.soaringthesky.com for pictures of our guests. You can also check us out on Instagram at Soaring the Sky Podcast, Facebook, the same thing, Soaring the Sky Podcast. Join us next time as we bring you episode 14 on Soaring the Sky.